Hey, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips for the Hunt Life Deep podcast. I'm your co host, Perry, joined as always by my brother, Luke, my real brother, Evan. What's going on, boys? What's up, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Pretty good. What we got in the in the lineup for this week's episode of just the tip coming at you? I don't know, Evan. Why don't you go ahead and start us off? You have a pretty good one. All right, yeah. So my tip is uh, something that I I feel like could be common sense, but it's proven true that it's not. Um, so, and especially in the off season, I know there's an ammo shortage right now. But my tip for the week is when you are sighting in your rifle, whatever bullet you end up going with, you need to make sure that I know a lot of people will just buy what's available, especially right now, but you can get a big difference between shooting grain differences, manufacturer differences, and the type of bullet you're shooting. So for example, a 130 grain Botel hollow point manufactured by Remington is going to shoot a lot different than a 150 grain Winchester, whatever, pick a trophy bonded tip or something like that. And when I mean different, I'm talking you can get six inch differences. So when you are selecting your bullet and you're sighting in, I recommend buying a few different. If you want to start with three, that's fine. I typically, when I buy a new rifle, I buy five different types. I stick with some things that I know. Um, I shoot them five uh, shot groups and then whichever one shoots the best out of that gun is the one I go with. And then that is my round for that gun period. And if I do have to change it because of an ammo shortage, then what I do is I shoot that box, check the groups and recite. And I do think that that could, should be common sense, but it's, it's not based off conversations that the three of us have all had and seen. And you can get drastic differences. If you get a sight in with a 130 grain bullet and you still buy 130 grain thinking it's going to be the same, but if it's a different manufacturer and you go out there and try it. Yeah, that's a great tip. And it is one of those things that you would expect, at least I always thought was common sense, but time and time again at different camps, I've had people just be like, oh yeah, I got this other box of, you know, rounds. It's a completely different grain or a different manufacturer. And you kind of have to explain to them like, no, 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 you can't shoot that with your current zero. Ballistically, that's totally different. And just for kind of reference, <clears throat> anecdotally, I switched two years ago from uh, the 270, 150 grain Federal Fusions to the uh, Federal, that's uh, what I shoot now, I can't remember, it's it's their higher end hunting round, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but it's the same manufacturer, same grain, six inch difference at 100 yards. I was, yep. I was shooting six inch low with the new, uh, the new ballistics, which is, which is pretty wild i really i expected some variability but not that much at 100 and if you extrapolate that at 250 yards six inches like you're missing the deer uh where you're hitting yeah you're hitting really low uh and so you could be you know wounding in or or whatever else so it's a fairly significant um deal and it's it's a great tip yeah on my six five um so i shoot 140 grain match eld if i'm buying factory ammo for that thing and just on a test because of the ammo shortage i found before it got really uh hard to find ammo i found a box of 140 grain that was the hornady whitetail and a the grouping opened up a little bit wasn't as tight of a group and then also it shifted about four inches and again you know i mean it's the same manufacturer same grain bullet but there's so much that goes into 
um, ballistics, and we don't, we're obviously not going to get into the details, but I can't stress this enough that if you can't just, well, you can't morally just take a round sight in and then think that, okay, anything close to this is going to be the same. Every time you change a box of ammunition, and what I mean by that is manufacturer, grain of the bullet, and type of the bullet, anytime you change any of those, you have to re-zero your gun. And if you're not doing that, you are really going to be looking at missed shots or wounded animals, which we all know is not ideal. Yeah, it's a great tip, man. Perry, what do you got? Yeah, that is a great tip, and I think you boys nailed it. Something that should be common sense. Um, probably is for, for most guys, a lot of guys out there, but definitely something that's worth reiterating. Um, my tip is, is not that dissimilar. It's a shooting tip. Uh, it's going to have to do with archery and it's something that actually, it, it, this is something else that probably is common sense to a lot of guys, particularly experienced archery hunters, but it was something I had to learn the hard way, excuse me, last year when I was first shooting my bow and prepping for my first archery season. And so this is after you've, you got your bow dialed in, you got everything set up the way you want it. You've got it sighted in and you're starting to really focus on your, um, you know, your accuracy and your consistency, you know, from short range and then building out to longer range, make sure you have a target that's got different, you know, different options for different, different spots, different dots, et cetera. And don't shoot groups. This was something I learned the hard way. What I was doing is when I first got my bow last year, I got it set up and I started it, I don't know, you know, pretty close, 12, 15 yards and was shooting groups all at the same spot, trying to get, you know, tight, consistent groups, just like you would with your sight in a rifle and did that basically all summer and fall until I had realized that I had started out with 12 arrows And by the time I was a couple weeks away from hunting season, I was down to like five or six arrows that were functional because I had busted out the knocks, split fletchings, um, and basically just busted up half, half of the, uh, the arrows that I, you know, the brand new arrows that I bought before hunting season even started just from shooting the same, you know, same place in the target. So again, it's something that is probably common sense for a lot of guys out there but i'll tell you after just having replaced all of my uh knocks and fletchings uh this off season for this upcoming um deer season it's expensive you know those are you know most guys were shooting 12 15 20 arrows sometimes just shoot at different spots on the target if you're if you're consistently low if you're consistently left right high whatever that's your grouping um you'll save yourself time you'll save yourself money and definitely some frustration if you don't shoot those groups yeah i burned through like six arrows last year that way and it was one of those things that i knew better because this season prior and the season prior seems like i'm always busting knocks i'm always busting fletchings and it's just like why do i keep doing this and so that's something this year i'm being very deliberate making sure i'm not shooting those groups, but it's, I don't know why it's just like one, just it's satisfying seeing that good tight group. But then, you know, if you losing a knock or a fletching is one thing, but if you're busting like a lighted knock off that thing, it's like 15 bucks. Yeah. It gets expensive in a hurry. And I agree. It is satisfying to see like you shoot a group of four five, six arrows and you got them all packed into a softball or a grapefruit or baseball, you know, whatever. But 
honestly, man, and maybe it was just because I'm you know, flat out beginner and don't know what the hell I'm doing, but it just never occurred to me. You know, I just was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to shoot groups. I'm going to all shoot at the same spot. And it was like, after busting up, I think it was my fourth or fifth air. I was like, man, this is, this is fucking retarded. I got to stop doing this and take a, take a different approach here. So, you know, make sure you have a target that allows for that. You have different places where you can actually hold, hold consistent on different spots, you know, similar size spots on the same target. That way you can, you know, see how you're, you're hitting. But yeah, that's, that's my tip for this week. I think that's a great tip, man. And I can jump in and say that I did the exact same thing as a beginning, uh, as a new up and coming bow hunter in my first year archery hunting, I flat out broke an arrow. Like it hit dead on and like split the back of the arrow where it's a trash arrow. Couldn't even re-knock it. So, I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing like it's, it's not worth and it's, it's easy. It's easy to just find another spot on the target. And I think that's a, that's a great tip, man. Yeah, there is a really cool moment when you're new into archery and you get that that Robin Hood arrow. Like that's, a, I feel like everybody should do that. But as soon as you get your one, like stop stop shooting groups. Yeah, it's <laughs> unless you're you know Jeff Bezos or whatever his name is, when you have freaking billions of dollars and you can just have Amazon just ship you arrows on a limited supply. Like you know, the rest of us big money posers don't have that kind of cash to fucking spend on arrows. Now, luckily for me, I got my my Robin Hood out of the way with a bunch of. Uh old old arrows that i didn't care about that i knew weren't going to be my hunting arrows and i was just trying to get things styled and did that and i was like oh yeah i'm not i'm not shooting groups anymore i'm done with that shit right on this man. year Good tip i was gonna say this year i'm building my uh my arrows from scratch from the ground up myself i bought all the stuff and then they're also not cheap none of the components are cheap and so it's enough to definitely make sure i'm not i'm not gonna split any of them doing that shit you got some homemade wooden arrows turning on the lathe there, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I need to. <laughs> All right. My tip is going to be pretty basic and pretty simple. And this is another thing that a lot of experienced folks uh, in the backcountry world or even like the military probably know. But it's when you're buying your boots, uh, the sizing, a lot of new guys to the backcountry really fuck this up. <clears throat> and it can it can end a hunt pretty quick. And it's it's how you size those boots. You want to go a half size bigger than you think you do. And then what you wear in like your tennis shoes. Um, and so like, obviously the sizing isn't like the same from boots to tennis shoes and a lot of different brands. But if you, if you feel like you're, you want to more of a space in your toe box for your, your walking boots than you do in like tennis shoes. And that's for a couple of different reasons. One is you're going to have different levels of socks with different thicknesses that you're going to wear in your hunting boots. And then also you don't want your toe smashing into the front of your toe box, especially when you're going down deep, uh, steep inclines. And this is something a lot of people don't understand is when you have weight on your back and you're going down a steep like ridge that your toes are going to be, uh, getting pressed up against the front of that toe box. And if your toenails are like the least bit too long, they're going to start to just take a lot of constant hits and pressure and they'll crack, they'll break, they'll tear them off over like 10 days. Like you'll, you'll start to lose your toenails. And uh, it's also a good place for friction for blisters. So you want to have more room than you would normally have. And that's just the mistake that a lot of folks uh, make. And so what you, what you want to do um, is as you're tying your boots, a lot of boots have the eyes that are like right where you're at like the L at the corner angle of the boot. And you really want to cinch that down because that's going to lock your heel in place. And so then you're not going to get the, your toes moving up and down to like with that extra space. So that's just my tip. 
buy your boots a little bit bigger than you normally would. I think that's a kick-ass tip, dude. And uh, to piggyback off that, I just thought about it while you were talking. When you are looking at new boots, if you're going to buy online, uh, something I started doing is if this is only for online shopping. Before you buy online, because a lot of boot manufacturers, like everyone knows, are going to size a little different, try to find a dealer in your area that sells that boot or at least that brand of boot. Go try it on in store before buying it online and then do what Luke just said about the half size up. That's really important too. With obviously a lot of our listeners are military. If you're using any of the discount sites, guide fitter, uh, expert voice, any of these ones, a lot of them don't allow returns. And so with boots and shoes, especially you really need to make sure you know the size and don't just assume like across the manufacturer line, it's going to be the same size because like, for instance, I just bought a new pair of uh, Ariat boots and I only wear pretty much only wear Ariat's for my slip-ons. And these, I had to buy a half size different. Um, same with my, I have a pair of Merrill phaser bounds that were different uh, sizing than my Merrill Moab. So like, there's just like different, you know, uh, there's just variability among sizes, even across the same manufacturer. So make sure you try that specific boot on before you order it from online, just like Evan was saying. You really can make the difference if you're out for an extended period of time. Like you were saying, Luke, if you're out for, for a week, 10 days, longer, you know, your feet is one of those things that have to be at the very top of your checklist for what you're taking care of because it can it can make a trip absolutely miserable. We all, you know, hell, we all grew up backpacking, doing the AT stuff. Some of those little tricks were stuff we learned um, usually the hard way when we were younger, but it's definitely one of those things that, and it, it can also lead to, you know, not just uncomfortable, but, you know, lead to injuries. Um, if you're, if your feet are giving you problems and you start trying to compensate for other ways, um, it's just one of those things, make sure you take care of your feet, uh, make your, it'll make your experience a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm not, I'll save that for a different podcast, the full foot care, uh, tip episode, cause I need more tips. So, but yeah, that was a good episode boys. I think, uh, those were pretty solid, solid advice across the board, but we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, thanks y'all.